Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We're back in the book of Luke. We are in chapter 2 today. What a great study um, showing um, Jesus growing up. Um, We looked at the birth of Jesus. Now we're getting a picture of um, the the reactions. We see Simeon and uh, Anna reacting to Jesus' birth. We're going to be looking at the return to Nazareth, Jesus growing up. We get a rare window um, in what it was like. We get a glimpse of what it was like for Jesus growing up as a boy. And then we see um, the beginning of John the Baptist growing up, too. And John takes us right in to John the Baptist ministry. So we'll start around uh, where we were last time. Simeon, um, an elderly man in the temple. He's been waiting on um, his salvation his whole life to see it on God's promise. And God allows him to see it when Joseph and Mary are bringing Jesus into the temple. The Spirit of God was with Simeon, and it allowed Simeon to recognize this child as the Savior. So we get a Christmas carol from Simeon. Uh, Simeon uh, says uh, back in verse 29, chapter 2, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So this is Simeon's song. It's, uh, as McGee says, it's his, his Christmas carol. It's his, uh, proc- it's his joyful praise of Jesus' birth. And again, his eyes have seen salvation. He doesn't have to go to school, read a Bible, take a course. He just sees his salvation. The salvation for us today is a person. We just have to see Jesus and see what he did and what he did for us. We can see our salvation. Jesus on the cross dying for our sins. That is our salvation. It's not anything that we do. It's what He has already done for us. And it's for all people. Jews and Gentiles. So, um, we can depart in peace because we have peace with God because of what Christ has done. 
So Simeon probably didn't know that Jesus was going to go to the cross. We we don't know that. Um, but what we do know is he just had to look at Jesus and nothing else. So down to verse 33, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. So again, they don't name, they don't say Joseph and Mary at this point. They just John, I mean Luke, Dr. Luke personalizes so much of the relationship between Jesus and his parents. And he's saying this is from father and mother's perspective. You know, they see Jesus as their baby. And so they know that Jesus is from God. But again, Dr. Luke touches on the human emotions as well. Verse 34, And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And so what is he saying here? That this child is the appointed one, and he's going to be the fall of many, like the, the fall of the proud, and the rising of many of the humble. And for a sign that is opposed, they're going to oppose him. They're going to oppose this message. He is going to be a Savior that will be opposed. He is going to be a Messiah that will be opposed. Parentheses, you know, and then he's, and then with sort of an inner meaning here, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. What is it? And McGee teaches that this is Simeon's way of telling Mary that as a mother, this is going to, you know, it's going to touch you in a way as a mother because you're going to see your son, the human part here, die. But he's going to be um, a sign because he will be immortal. We know that. But he's telling Mary also, you know, you get this great honor to deliver the Lord Jesus, be his mother. But there will be a human told to pay because you will see your son um, die as well. So so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Okay? So that, in other words, the salvation for many hearts through Jesus' death will occur. This is... Um, this will allow the forgiveness of all generations, really, if their hearts are repentant. But again, he's telling them that, Mary, you're going to be so sorrowful at, the, at Jesus' crucifixion. It'll be, like a, it'll be like a sword going through your heart. Okay, verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna. So who says the women can't be prophets, right? So we got Anna here, the daughter of Fennel, the tribe of Asher. And again, McGee makes the point that they always talk about these lost tribes of Israel. Well, they're not lost because, you know, he, he knows right where the Anna's coming from. So he pinpoints who Anna is. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And 
then as a widow until she was 84. So she's been a widow a long time. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Can you imagine being a widow and 84 years old, not even going home, staying at the temple all the time? You know, she must have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And she was there night and day, fasting in prayer. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So she is there proclaiming for all to hear about Jesus as well. The redemption is coming through a person. Verse 39, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. So they're completing full circle. Now, Luke omits them fleeing to Egypt first. He omits that. But he's staying on the human side, the family side. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. McGee points out that Jesus is growing physically, mentally, and spiritually here. So, he's like the pediatrician here. Dr. Luke is giving us the pediatrician's report. Physically, he's doing well. Mentally, he's doing well. And spiritually. Verse 41, now his parents, again, he's referring to the human side of this relationship here. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to Jerusalem. Isn't that ironic that Jesus is the new Passover lamb? So they go to the feast of the Passover when he was 12 years old, and they went up according to custom. Of course, Jerusalem's on a hill. That is where you refer to going up. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, this is a classic case of, you know, where's Jesus? I don't know. I thought he was with you. No, uh, I thought he was with you. It's like that. The parents must have been horrified. You know, they're in charge of taking care of the, the Son of God and they've lost him. His parents didn't know it, verse 44, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. They must have been in horror. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents, again, this is a story that parents can relate to, losing your child for three days. My goodness. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. I mean, this is probably the version that we could speak about. They were probably sobbing and crying. And I mean, can you imagine the conversation this must have 
had. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. Because his father, he is referring to as God the Father in heaven. He's not talking about his father's house being Joseph. He's talking about his heavenly father. And Jesus is saying this. And, you know, we don't know if Mary said, hey, you know what? You're born of God. And, you know, my, your father, Joseph, and I did not conceive you. You were conceived by the Holy Spirit. You know, you, it's not clear, but you would look at this, that this is Jesus speaking to them from the point of the Holy Spirit in him being filled with the Holy Spirit because we know the favor of God was upon him, but he was probably growing in the Spirit of God already. And he's already referring at 12 years old to his heavenly Father. And they didn't understand the saying that he spoke to them. Verse 51, And he went down with them and came back to Nazareth and was submissive to them. So in other words, Jesus is not trying to disobey in any way. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart because his mother knew what the angel Gabriel had said. And the mother is trying to process all this information that God is looking at Jesus as his only son. This is the son of God. But in so many ways, Jesus is God in the flesh. So, she's treasuring these things in her heart. She's been treasuring these things in her heart that Anna told her and Simeon told her. She's keeping all this. Verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So in other words, as Dr. Luke points out again, Jesus is growing physically, mentally, and spiritually and he's found favor with God and man. So in other words, he's pleasing to God, and he's also pleasing to man. He's a good person. Now we come to chapter 3. We see John the Baptist now. So again, Dr. Luke is pinpointing history here. He is being very, very specific in his timetables. It's the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of the Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Icturia and Trachonitis, and Lysanus, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Ananias and Caiaphas, okay, he gives like five Roman officials here. And Caiaphas was the actual high priest, and um, Ananias had been high priest, but was still called high priest after he left the office of high priest. And remember, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, I think at some point, was in that role of high priest because he was the one who originally 
went into that inner most holy place where he saw the angel Gabriel and didn't quite believe in what he was praying for when it came true. And that's when, the, you know, of course, the angel made him deaf and dumb. So you've got now Ananias, Caiaphas, they're the high priests. And then you get the son of a high priest, John, son of Zechariah. And he probably looks around because he's probably on schedule to be a high priest because he's son of a high priest. But John's different. And John skips out and heads to the wilderness. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So, Dr. Luke doesn't, mint, mint, uh, doesn't um, beat around the bush. He goes straight to it. He gives us the picture. Verse 3, And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He is starting the gospel message. And he's using baptism as a way to wash people, to show that they can be forgiven. It's an outward sign. But it's not going to do the job. Jesus will do the job. It is as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. Now, Luke tells us immediately that this is fulfillment of, of prophecy, Old Testament prophecy. So we get the words of Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The voice of one crying in the wilderness is John the Baptist. He's crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. That's what John the Baptist's message is. The way of the Lord, that's Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. Make his paths straight. Straighten out the roads. Prepare the way to the coming of the Lord Jesus. Every valley shall be filled. In other words, the humble shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The proud shall be humbled. These are metaphors. Hills and valleys. But this is what Jesus will do. Jesus will come in humility and He'll shame the wise and the proud. And the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways. In other words, He's here to resolve our sin, to take away our sin so that the crooked will once again become straight. And the unlevel will become level. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. In other words, all flesh. This message will be for the Jews and the Gentiles. He's summing it up. He's, he's showing that this is going to be the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah. Verse 7, And he said, Therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, 
Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. What is John saying to some of the crowds that come out to him? He calls them a brood of vipers. Like many people maybe were coming to just check out the baptism or to be baptized. And he's saying, who warns you? Just just by coming to, to be baptized, you think that's going to save you? You know, bear fruits in keeping with your repentance. In other words, don't just come for a show, you know, a ceremonial show that you're going to be a cool person to get in the water if you haven't changed your heart. You can't just accept this message without bearing fruit. You know? Who warned you to come here? You know? You're a brood of vipers. You're, you're, your actions are poisoning the message. So, he warned crowds. If you're coming to be baptized, change your heart. Repent of your sins and change your life. You have to repent. So, we're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your take on this today. And for me to all of you, as always, God bless you and keep your heart centered on Christ. We'll see you here next time.